and a big welcome to you all. This is Big Life Conversation. You're here with Barbara and Nicole today. We are missing our co-host Jacinta uh, today, but um, looking forward to a great show. Uh, also, a thank you to Tiny Tim playing his hits prior to us. And then after today, we also have Your Planet Needs You coming up. So, big week that it has been. We will be filling you in on all our news views, um, entertainment and health, and also we have some great interviews today as well. Um, So we'll be introducing those to you shortly. A little bit of an update on the weather out there. It's been a a nice day, actually. Very pleasant. A little bit cool in the breeze. Uh, In Box Hill here, it is currently 21 degrees, a low of 11 degrees and a high of 21. So that is it for today as temperature is um, revealed. Um, We might just have another tune before we get into the show. Um, And looking forward to a great one. This is uh, a little one from, ooh, what am I going to pick today? I'm going to go for some Elton John, actually. Here we go. And that was Hold Me Closer, the Elton John-Britney Spears combo there to get you started on this lovely Monday afternoon. You're here with Barbara and Nicole. This is Big Life Conversation on 94.1 FM. It is uh, 12 minutes past four o'clock and we thought we'd give you a little overview of the show today. We have two wonderful guests joining us today. The first, we have a film director, Andy Valentine coming up. Uh, Barbara, do you want to give a little intro? Sure, to... Nicole. Yes, um, Andy Valentine's here because uh, the Melbourne um, Queer Film Festival is up and running as we speak. Just uh, opened uh, on Thursday, um, and um, anyway, he's directed a film which sounds rather interesting. Has a story of. Um, the Matachin family, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. <laughs> and um, it features younger heartthrob Nico Tortorella and Fuller House actor Juan Pablo Du Pache as a gay couple, Thomas and Oscar, whose dreams of making a life together unravel when their foster baby is reclaimed by his mother, unleashing a spiral of complicated feelings and neither man knows exactly what they want anymore. And Shit's Creek uh, favourite Emily Hampshire, Hacks lead Kyle Clemens Hopkins and single parents actor Jake Choi all show up as part of their logical family. So it's quite a star-studded cast apparently. It is. Okay. And um, this film is actually going to be commercially released um, at the Kino Cinema um, this Wednesday, the 15th of November. So it's all nicely timed. Oh. And apparently Andy's debut short film, The Letterman, had its world premiere at the 2022 Tribeca Film Festival and it's gone on to win numerous awards at film festivals around the world. Oh, so wonderful. Looking forward to having a chat to Andy. Yeah, that'll be exciting. We're really excited to have him in Australia at the moment and uh, checking in with all things um, the Melbourne Queer Festival, Melbourne Queer Film Festival and uh, the movies that are on there as well as his very own that he has directed. Uh, Coming up also at 10 past five or thereabouts is a wonderful friend of the show and regular on the show, uh, Kapi Nambia from Nambia Hog Family Law. She's always got some wonderful topics for us to cover today. Um, So looking forward to speaking with her just a little bit after five today. Uh, So have a a fun-packed show. I know you've been and seen lots of things um, on the entertainment front, Barbara, to fill us in on. And um, I had my food for thought 
thought on the weekend as well, which yes. I might give a few little extra uh, tips from the wonderful interview that I had on plant-based eating, which was okay. really interesting over the weekend. So a couple of tips to share with our Monday listeners today as we uh, move through the show. So looking forward to that, along with our usual, what gets up my nose, what makes our day, (laughs) and the joke of the week. So um, I've just been sorting through my joke of the week. I'm not sure I've got another brilliant one, but I was desperately asking the family to to fill that in as well. Uh, And so, yes, that's our our show for today. Um, Birthdays, Barbara. Yes, Nicole. Um, one Joni Mitchell, I think she's just turned 80, has a uh, journey. And uh, Neil Young, uh, two scorpions, um, down some musical scorpions that I miss. And of course, we mustn't forget um, Mama Jay's, Jacinta's grandson. Mama Jay. Coming up this Thursday, um, the 16th of November. Happy birthday to young Charlie, her ah, little grandson. That is. You know, come around so very, very exactly. quickly. I can't believe one he's going year to old. be one. <laughs> he's been on the planet a whole single year. It's amazing, isn't it? Exactly. I know. How gorgeous. So, exactly. um, so happy birthday to all those Scorpios and to, particularly to young Charlie. Yes, and uh, I have a friend's daughter who is a very close friend of ours that we went away camping with on the long weekend, and she is also uh, turning 16 on the 16th of November, so that's an interesting one as well. So sick lots on the 16th there um, for the Scorpios. Very good. And uh, given that we have had those particular birthdays, I thought we might go to a little track from one of those birthdays as well. And because, you know, dare I even say it, that the C word, (laughs) and and I mean that nicest possible word, uh, Christmas is looming, I thought this one could be a a bit of a topical one. So if you're listening uh, in tonight, you'll be... um, Thinking about that movie that we often oh, yes. take a look at over this time, um, one that gets played ad nauseum at about <laughs> Christmas time. Well, this is from the soundtrack. Enjoy. And this is the wonderful Joni Mitchell from the movie soundtrack Love Actually that you might all be um, going to be listening into or seeing on the TV very, very soon uh, as Christmas runs around very, very quickly. You're on Big Life Conversation with Nicole and Barbara and it is uh, 24 minutes past four o'clock. Uh, we might just have a little note from our sponsors. And back with you after those sponsor messages Barbara, we have our guest coming up very, very soon, but uh, you did some um, viewing of various productions over the week, haven't you? I have actually seen some films and I've seen a stage show, so um, while we're on the subject of film, yes, looking forward to talking to Andy, but um, saw a really interesting film actually on Netflix, it has actually been screening at the cinemas, selected cinemas, it's called Nyad, I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's based on the true story of... um, Diana Nyad, who um, has been a long-distance swimmer. She's American. Oh, and, yes. Um, yeah, anyway, she's quite an amazing person. Um, the film stars uh, got a great cast, uh, including Annette Benning and Jodie Foster, who are always worth watching in my book. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and this uh, Diana, she's amazing, but she's in her 70s now. She had been a long-distance swimmer as a young woman. She's also a journalist. Um, but anyway, she had made several attempts to swim from um, – 
Havana or, or Cuba to Florida and, and fail. But would you believe at the ripe age of 64, she decided to do it again. And with, without giving too much away, wow. she, you, you just you take your hat off to her and sort of thing. Is this woman a, a, a heroine or a, a masochist or what? Anyway, but it's, anyway, if, even if you're not a swimmer, I mean, I, I enjoy swimming, but not at that level. Um, anyway, wow. she's a real tri- trailblazer for, for, um, for women of a certain age. And, um, yeah, apart from being a, you know, quite an athlete. So that's, uh, that's really well worth ch- catching that film. So, um, yes, that was one, one I saw on Netflix. Ooh, so, mm. there's so many good movies and so many film festivals that we have yes, seen. exactly. Um, I know we were speaking about the British Film Festival mm-hmm. um, as well as we said the um, Melbourne Queer Film Festival is on as well. So we've got uh, Andy Valentine coming to talk to us about the films that are often offered there and also his film that is um, featuring in that as well. So very much looking forward to um, all of that uh, ahead very shortly. Um, And uh, speaking of um, films, I I haven't actually been to the cinema for a while, but I've certainly um, been partaking in some new series and oh, yes. uh, just finally finished The Morning Wars with uh, Jennifer Aniston uh, in feature there as well as um, her colleague, uh, always on together and I just can't think of her name and it's always um, Legally Blonde as the... <laughs> Oh, Reese Witherspoon. Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, Thank you. Good. I always remember her from that, um, which was really good. Really, but open again for another series. So um, I know that that um, was very engaging and um, a little bit like uh, Succession in its evil nature of how people <laughs> are in organisations. Very cutthroat from that perspective. Perhaps not quite as. As violent, but um, really what worth a watch as well. So have quite enjoyed that. So I'm looking for a new series. We'll have to get mm-hmm. our our wonderful um, Jess Belangzataggi back to um, uh, build, fill the cup up for the um, the I guess festive the season. festive season mm-hmm. when we'll have more of these. Um, well, perhaps a little bit more time to watch some of these things as well. Anyway, we've got our first guest coming up very, very soon. Um, And so join us for the next uh, uh, 15 to 20 minutes and we'll be talking to Andy Valentine and this year's Melbourne Queer Festival. You're on 94.1, 3WBC with Nicole and Barbara. And that is the wonderful Temper Trap Sweet Disposition. And uh, we have a, a sweet disposition as we get to talk to our wonderful guest today um welcome to the show andy andy welcome it's barbara here and congratulations on um this uh fascinating sounding film that you've got uh, screening as part of the um queer film festival it's very very soft and i don't know why i'm sorry i might have to swap headphones we've had some headphone issues <laughs> so andy do you want to tell us a little bit about um your movie as a as a beginning point for uh, the film festival so how <laughs> sorry we're pr- i'm pressing buttons in the in the background as we're as we're all speaking um and yeah so it's um been a, a obviously a bit of a, a journey and a big collaboration to go ahead and um have a movie presented and i believe it's won some awards wow <laughs> how 
Which is wonderful. I was just th- wondering how you're going with all of the transition of time zones and um, to fit all of that in. It's it's so wonderful that we can actually travel and do all of these things now, of course, but then there's also the the, the hectic nature of it all as well, which is um, amazing. So um, fantastic that you're able to, to get through all, all of that as well. Um, and so with your involvement in the um, Melbourne Queer Film Festival, you've obviously got this... Um, particular play, uh, play. it's a movie going at the moment. Can you tell us about some of the other um, movies that are going to be part of this that we should perhaps take a little look into? I'm sure there's all of them, but um, any particular ones that we should take a look into? Stop. Um, all of Us Strangers, um, the new Andrew Hake film is, is playing as well as Drifter. So, you know, it, it is a great uh, festival uh, this year. There are just so many different types of movies, and um, it's really something you know. Check out the website and go see what interests you. I'm sure you'll find something. And Andy, sorry about the technical difficulties. I'm uh, back on my oh, that. You're good. <laughs> uh, just going to ask you: uh, This film festival is actually quite famous, isn't it? Is it the one of the oldest and the largest uh, in the world? Is that right? It is. Uh, it's been going on for um, a, a Really long time. Is it 33 and, years you know, it was, now? 33 years this year? 33 years, right. Happy birthday. Yeah, and, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and it was an honor to kind of be brought out, um, you know, from L.A. to showcase uh, Madison uh, family to an Australian audience. You know, this is our Australian premiere. And it's actually going to have a commercial run because not all of the films at the festival will be lucky enough to get that. Is that right? Uh, that is the plan right now. You know, with independent films, there is not that one major studio that is behind you. It's kind of like you take it out once you make it. You take it out and you go shopping with it. Sure. And you hope that somebody picks it up. <laughs> and so you do that kind of on, on the heels of your festival tour. So we're, we're really hoping uh, to make a, an announcement soon uh, in a couple months where everybody will be able to view it, you know, hopefully in uh, June or July. Fantastic. And what about your own background in film, Andy? Um, do you come from a creative kind of family or are you the so-called black sheep or whatever they like to call you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I think I was uh, the only one. Um, my dad's a little creative. Um, we grew, I grew up in Michigan, but it had always been my dream to, um, you know, direct movies. And, and as soon as, you know, I got old enough, I, I did what everybody says you are supposed to do when you want to make uh, a feature film. And, and you move to California, you move to L.A. Um, and while in L.A., I have been working there for the last uh, 12 years um, and was fortunate to get this movie off the ground about a year and a half ago. So it took, it took a while to get the movie made, but, we're, but we did it, uh, and now I'm traveling the world with it. So, you know, dream, my dream did come true. That's so. fantastic. And you managed to avoid the writer's strike and the actor's strike dramas. Did you? Were you sort of uh, out of the line of fire for all that? I did. Um, we were able to, uh, SAG was, uh, was very, um, you know, nice to independent productions, the ones that were not part of, uh, you know, the big networks and studios, they offered waivers to the smaller independent films. Oh, okay, yes. Um, and so we were lucky to kind of obtain a waiver. So, you know, some of our incredible actors, uh, Madison Family has uh, Nico Tortorella from Younger. Um, it has Emily Hampshire from Schitt's Creek, who is just hilarious in the film. <laughs> uh, Juan Pablo de Pache um, from uh, Fuller House is in the movie as well. So all of our actors, uh, you know, have been supporting the film, you know, throughout the strike because... SAG allowed that waiver, which is just, you know, absolutely incredible. But, but glad that we're all able to get back to work now. Exactly. It was a long few months, wasn't it? It was, absolutely, yes. 
I'm a fan of Stephen Colbert, and I know that I missed uh, his show being off air, much as I enjoyed the repeats. Not quite the same thing when you've seen that yeah. episode uh, for about the tenth time. But uh, yes, right. anyway, yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. And so this, um, the, the festival actually, it, it's all well, that the screenings at a number of cinemas, I believe, um, including the Kino, yeah. um, and also I think the Cinema Nova as well, and Village Cinemas at Jam Factory and the Capital. Yes, it's, it's all over uh, Melbourne. Um, Madison Family is playing at the Kino um, to plug, not to plug it again, but we're playing Wednesday, <laughs> November 15th at 8.45. Why not? Um, <laughs> Fantastic. Why not, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and have you been to Australia before, to start of interest, on Melbourne? Um, I've been here uh, one other time to Melbourne um, about five years ago. My parents lived here for a quick, like, nine-month uh, oh, really? stint. And so we were able to, to visit them um, in December. So it's wonderful to be back. And very different to be back now. I'm, I'm here with my husband, and then also we're here with our two-year-old daughter. Oh, wow. Um, a little family a affair. <laughs> it was a family affair. It was a trip to make it over here. Yes. Uh, we landed yesterday morning. Um, but so happy to be here. And well, thank you for to talking to us. I hope not too jet-lagged. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm good. <laughs> well, I was thinking there must have been a relationship with Melbourne in the past because of how you say Melbourne. So um, I thought you were very I, well I, tonal I, there. Pronunciation <laughs> spot on. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> exactly. someone, someone corrected me, I think, years ago when we were here. And now, you know, now it's just it's in the vernacular. <laughs> yeah. You know, the now, will this film, I mean, are, are there uh, similar queer film festivals all over Australia, or is Melbourne the only one? I'm, excuse my ignorance, I'm not sure. Um, sorry, can you repeat that again? Yeah, sorry, do you know, is Melbourne the only place where, where there is a queer film festival in Australia, or does this uh, film festival travel within Australia? Uh, this, is, uh, this is the only one in uh, Melbourne, and then there are a few others. Um, there's the Mardi Gras Sydney um, uh, LGBTQ plus film festival uh, that happens in the spring. So, oh, okay, right. Um, yeah. yeah. And so, how long will you be out here for the for the duration of the festival or beyond? Um, we're here until uh, Thursday. Uh-huh. Um, so I came in, did our screening last night, and then um, uh, Danny and I will be doing the Q and A after the Madison family on Wednesday, and then we're going to do a quick stop. Um, to Sydney since we've never been before, um, before we head back to Los Angeles. Oh, you should uh, do that. (laughs) Good for you. And can I ask, is your your partner um, also involved in the film industry? Yeah, so uh, Danny uh, wrote the movie, actually. Oh, right. Um, And so he he is. um, That is kind of his, uh, I think that, you know, he always loved writing and, you know, we, we were trying to figure out how to collaborate on something and, you know, the idea of a movie that was so close to us and, and our journey about how we became parents, yeah. you know, it just felt like this was like the natural kind of first film for, you know, feature film for us to make. So, Certainly um, so- yeah, it, it was a, it's def- definitely a learning curve with your um, figuring out how to work with your spouse. Um, we've been exactly. together for, thir- for 13 years. Ooh. We've been together for a while. Yes. Um, <laughs> But still, working in that arena, you know, we, it took us a, a few months to figure out the right path to do it, but glad we figured it out. <laughs> and, you've, and you're still together and with a daughter, so that, that is a good and thing. We, and, we took a, and we took the flight to Australia, and we're good. Yes, we're good yes. Yeah. So oh, that's a, we're, we're that's okay. a milestone. <laughs> I know, they're all achievements. Right. <laughs> well done. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah. And so your little girl, um, is, how old is she, can we ask? Uh, she's almost two. Oh, she's, a, she's, she's twenty-two a, months. Okay, but is she uh, already showing signs of being a movie buff or whatever? Or? <laughs> oh, 
I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I I, <laughs> I have uh, I will support her in whatever she does. Uh, and I, you know, we live in LA, so LA filmmaking, you know, is the that's the town's business. Exactly. So, exactly. Um, you know, we'll see. She does make a brief appearance in the film. Oh, really? Um, uh. We did, yeah. Because the Madison family, you know, it, it follows the the gay couple um, as they talk about becoming parents and whether or not they want to be a parent or not. So we kind of along this journey, we see our, our character see how other LGBTQ plus families, um, you know, have families. Do they, you know, have a, a child with their friends? Do they? have a child through surrogacy, do they adopt, do they yes. do foster um, care, and so she, she, Florence, our daughter, makes an appearance, and, you know, something that we put in afterwards, um, you know, on a poster in, in the film, so, uh, <laughs> had, well, to, had to nice. add her in, right? Yeah, um, so, absolutely. Yeah. Could, could be the promise yeah. of things to come, you never know. Huh? Exactly. Yeah, really yeah, lovely to sure. have that. <laughs> and what about future plans? Um, anything? Can you are you able to speak about other movies that might be in the pipeline or anything else? Uh, sure. I, uh, so this was uh, my my first one, and so after this one, um, you know, the hope is that we get to continue to to build on you know the strength and accomplishments of Madison Family um, and create lots more uh, exciting films. Um, you know, so there are. Plenty in the works, and now that the the, the strike is over, too, mm, we're, we're, yes. we're able to get out and, and try selling them. So yeah, we'll see. There, uh, yeah, we'll see. The our, I hope our next project um, that we're working on right now was based on our award-winning short, The Letterman, that played at Tribeca. Yes, it's got year. lots of awards. Tells, can, you, can you tell us a bit about that film? Yeah, so uh, Letterman, um, you know, tells the story of a gay couple um, during World War II, and they ah. both were in the British Army. And this mm-hmm. is a true story. Really? About six years ago, they uncovered about 200 love letters sent oh, from um, Gilbert Bradley to Gordon Boucher. Mm-hmm. And so I saw this news article a few years ago, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to be the one to tell that story. Mm. That's an incredible story. Um, and so kind of worked my way and met the person that owned the letters. Oh, wow. Um, he's a museum curator in the U.K. and got the rights. And oh, so working wow. on turning that Amazing. really beautiful short uh, into a feature film right now. So we're hoping that that's the next one. So. How lovely. How exciting. Yeah, and, yeah, it's, fantastic. and a fascinating time yeah. when even letters were censored as well. So, yes, you know, particularly letters of that nature. Well yes. that, yeah, absolutely. Mm. So, oh, yeah, especially the letters among LGBTQ people too during that time were burned because out of fear uh, of discovery. Yes, so exactly. It's just exactly. a... You know, we from our research and from what we what we found, we really do we believe that it's the you know the, the largest collection of saved love letters you know um, from a gay couple. So and that they were together from 1938 to 1941. Wow! So just a, okay. an, an incredible you know to be able to hold these actual letters um, and see how much the, the two of them were in love. Um, you know, it just it it rings of like a, a movie, right? Yeah, like it certainly does. does. Like or a, a stage play, or a number. You can see a number of things, wouldn't you, coming from? Right. Yes. Mm. Right. So uh, hopefully coming to everyone's screen soon on the BBC. Yes, Fantastic. So. That's great. Yeah. And can I ask you, um, obviously you have a particular interest in, in um, uh, issues affecting gay people, but um, are you open to all sorts of ideas about um, films on other topics? I mean, is, or is, are you just specialising in this particular area? No, I think, we're, I think we're open to everything. I think mm-hmm. that when you, you know, this is a piece of advice that I got in L.A. was like when you kind of first make your first movie or your first 
write your first TV show, you really want to speak from the heart. Yes. You want to speak from... Uh, write what you know, as they say. Write what you know, correct. And so that's why we kind of thought that that would be a good approach for us. Mm. I think that, you know, being a part of the LGBTQ plus community, that, you know, there's that's always going to be somehow involved in our art. Yes. Um, you know, I don't think it necessarily needs to be, um, you know, the A storyline for for every movie mm. or every show mm. that we, you know, create. But it's always going to be there because that's, that's you know, so you that's are. important <laughs> to us and, and that's who we are. Yes. Correct. Yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly, but it's, it's a very topical um, uh, theme that you pick for for this latest film, The Madison Family. And would you describe it as a comedy romance drama? How would you how would you put it in terms of genre? I describe I describe it as a, a dramedy, and so <laughs> there are there are dramatic moments. So it is definitely if you are a person who cries um, watching films, there might be a couple tears. Oh, okay, um, but me. also we have. <laughs> You know, the, the incredible um, Emily Hampshire from Schitt's Creek, who mm. was Stevie in Schitt's Creek, yeah, who is just great. hilarious. In yeah. the, she is so yeah, funny. fans of that film. show. <laughs> um, yeah, big fans. Yes, and just, she's just fabulous. And so there are, there are a couple great scenes that will, you know, you will be laughing, you know, <laughs> um, up great. a storm watching the film. So um, it seems like it worked. And, and last night we had our first screening, you know, in Australia. We have our other one this coming Wednesday. But it seems like the audience loved it. So Excellent. Um, can you tell it? Can you tell us the Australian yeah. rating? Do you know what the rating is, or people have to go and do their homework about that in terms of the age group that um, uh, it's reckoned pitched at or whatever? I I don't know. It probably is like um, it's, if this was in the U.S. I'm not sure what the rating system here, but the, it's probably like a PG-13 and up. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, so, it's still more of like a uh, you know, it's like a family oriented film, but more like if you're you know 13 and up. Okay. So. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for uh, speaking with yeah. us. And um, we're yeah. really looking forward to having a look at the movie as well. And um, for everyone else, if they want to get along, we're going to put those details on our Facebook page, Big Life Conversation. Thanks so much, Andy Valentine, for coming to speak with us. Good yeah, luck for the so rest of Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Thanks, thanks so Andy. All the best. Thank Enjoy the rest of your trip. Thank you. Thank you. I will. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye for now. All right, bye. And welcome back to Big Life Conversation. You're with Nicole Barbara, and I believe our colleague is on the other end of the phone. We missed her so much, we thought we'd call her in. How are you today, Jacinta? Thanks, guys. Very well. Thank you. Lovely to speak with you. I'm up here in good old Gippsland, <laughs> working away. Yes, how you. is it there today? Because it's um, just a lovely sunny 20 degrees mm, here at the moment. Yeah. It's beautiful weather, so that's all good. <laughs> yes. Um, now, I've got a few little things I wanted to share with you. Yes, please. I don't know whether you've referenced the our favourite satirical website, The Shovel, yes. Um, I haven't today, but um, oh. I have got it lined up, so you're welcome oh. to go ahead and uh, take the, uh, the the front seat on that. All right, so let's see if we've got the same one. Um, this is a little article from The Shovel about Optus and oh. that little <laughs> network out here. And just that little one, yeah. What that was that again? Yeah. <laughs> that old thing. <laughs> um, and interestingly enough, someone that we used to know very well, Optus Executive Gladys Berejiklian, provides an update on the network 
uh, outage. Wow. Senior Ombuds Executive Glenis Berejiklian has provided an update on the outgoing, ongoing outage, confirming that the number of new ideas they've had about fixing the problem in the past four hours and days is zero. This brings the total number of new ideas since the outage began to zero. Um, wow. Now, there's another thing. I can't actually say that phrase because that's rude. But <laughs> moving on, Mary Jicklin reassured Australians that only a small amount of customer data had been hacked as part of the outage. <laughs> a list of affected customers along with their phone numbers, addresses, licence numbers and Medicare number is available on Optus website, she said. At the end of the media conference, Vera oh confirmed that the network was now back up and running in Wagga Wagga. <laughs> in, in one small little area. Yes, around the notorious area. A very <laughs> notorious area. Oh, dear. Oh, they're very good, aren't they? Gee, that caused absolute havoc in the workplace I was working from, oh, especially dear. because really? people couldn't access their secure passwords. Oh, no. um, you know, the second authentication oh, that yes. happens with many logins to computers now you have to get the um the code that's sent to your mobile phone and if you don't have a mobile phone Mm. with anyone else other than optus then you cannot access your computer and do a day of work at all (laughs) yes i don't know there are going to be some serious repercussions aren't they talking about compensation uh, for some people but not enough compensation for some people in terms of uh, data extra data people have been given that's right. The organisation itself doesn't seem too keen on the word compensation. Mm, right? Not financial like, compensation. No, Let's no. not talk about that. No, um, no one's so talking about that at all, are they? Exactly. I, I was just grateful. It was one of the, even though we, we'll do um, what gets up my nose and what makes my day, but mm. that actually made my day on that day that I was with Telstra. Um, that was one thing that made my day. That I, was <laughs> oh, I bet you oh, it did. Boy. But we can't afford to get too cocky, can we, Cindy? Because who knows what's going to happen next and to whom? No, we can't. Mm. No, 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 we can't. can't yes. Do not ever rest, um, I would say. <laughs> um, Neither did the shovel, really. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a shovel. So, guess what, though? There's something else I wanted to talk about, which is also very important. What the heck is going on with exams in Victoria? Indeed. Now, it's a very yeah. stressful time for people anyway. Exactly. Yes. However... In the words of the Education Minister, and this is true, this isn't the shovel, <laughs> Ben Carroll, he's very disappointed in a steri- series of stuff-ups that should never have occurred. Mm. Um, so this is a report today uh, that he has asked the Victorian Curriculum and Assessment Authority to review its processes after six students were given the wrong Chinese language oh, exam dear. last week. Oops. Um, Wasn't there a maths blunder the other day as well? Yes. Yes. This followed a number of mistakes in this year's maths exam and confusing typos in several other tests. Really? Oh, my goodness. What is going on? That's awful. That's very disturbing. And this is the year 12 exams you're specifically referencing. Yeah. Mm, I mean, there's the big a ones. lot of exams going on at year 11. I know my son's about to go into the year 10 exams as well, but at least they're set a little bit more in-house. Exactly. And they're not uh, the final one for the for the school career. No, mm. not at all. That's yeah, um, so hideous. It would not be a lot of fun for those students, you know, looking at that and going, what's going on? I mean, it's a stressful time anyway. But anyway, right. there's going to be... Um, 
a review, a full review, actually, uh, into these stuff-ups and let's see what happens. Mm. And what about the compensation for the students? Because I'm sure they don't want to sit another exam. Another exam. What happens? That is quite serious. It is. Um, So that's one to watch. Now, in other news, which is really good, you do know the Melbourne Comedy Festival is about to start. Ooh. I thought it was coming on next year. Are we, are we having now, another one? When I say when I say about to start, it is in twenty twenty four, but we're not far away from twenty twenty four. It's true. And oh, and so I'm just... just flagging this now. It does start on the twenty seventh of March, goes mm. through to the twenty first of April. Mm. But um, I've received notification that we should really get our tickets now for the 2024 gala and that's always good fun it is any people you want to mention who will be uh, visiting or is it a lot of local people just in there have you got Um, a lineup of the performance i haven't got that information maybe it's not um it's not set in concrete yet Mm. no in in this flyer i haven't got that yet um so it just says there's a there's a a link that you can buy your tickets yeah we'll get in early for some of those shows that's a good idea absolutely yeah and remember um it's all about supporting Oxfam as well. Yes, um, exactly. Trying to empower communities to tackle poverty. So that's a really good thing in terms of what you'd be supporting if exactly. you um, spend some money on that. So that's something to look forward to in 2024. It's always good fun. International and obviously Australian acts too, which are such high calibre. So that's yeah. put on your maybe you could get it for a Christmas yeah, that's, that's a good that's idea. A good idea. Yes, yeah. Yeah. We, we mentioned the C word earlier, mm-hmm. and I said it's not the the dirty C word; it was the, well, the Christmas word because, that word even more. yeah, yeah, because uh, uh, Barbara enlightened me that it's six weeks until six weeks today till Christmas, and it. therefore not much further, probably another week until the new year. So, yeah, yeah. what a nice positive thing to gift someone it's is tickets to the comedy festival. We all do with a laugh, yeah, whatever the time yeah, of year. Because yes. right. so one of the things I wanted to talk about briefly was just gifts, was about gifts. You know, it is that time of year where for a lot of us we're like, oh, what do I give that person? He's got everything. Yeah. They've mm-hmm. got everything. And I think what's becoming increasingly popular is giving, gifting things that are maybe, you know, where that, that they have an impact, a good impact on the world, where they help some other communities, yes. like the, the comedy festival. An experience, like that. yeah, that's right. An experience, mm. yeah. Yeah, I really yeah. like that, that idea, because so, we've got, you know, too much stuff. I think we've, we've all, all got, got stuff, <laughs> and uh, we don't need any more stuff. Um, and you know what reminds me so much of all our stuff, it, it, and, and we're about to do this ourselves, but the hard rubbish collections, you know, that the mm, councils provide yes. for us, we get all this stuff, and then we tend to put a lot of that stuff on our nature strips for someone else to <laughs> eat if they would up. like or go into landfills. So, you know, it is interesting. Yes, is yes. Really. Apparently they're not allowed to pick off your your stuff on the, <laughs> on the the nature strip but uh, I think yeah I, I think that you know you get in big trouble if you've seen pilfering other people's some um, councils have, have, have done that but I'm thinking well if it's going to go into landfill I mean I come on recycle. I mean, we're saving the um, we're saving the council some um, some cost surely in terms of transporting that's to the right. tip that's what I thought would have that's thought. right I think yeah. there might be some other interested parties that are you know there's usually a truck and it comes and I think that oh, there's yes, some dealers. being made yes. on the uh-huh. other side side as well. I don't know this for a fact. I'm just supposing. The rumour has it. (laughs) uh, The the rumour has it. It could be. Mm. 
It was actually funny. The last time we had a hard rubbish collection, we put it all out in the nature strip the night before. And the only thing I don't like is that people do come along and go through it all, and then you have it oh, all they throw it all around, strewn all over yep, the place. Yeah, exactly. Right? They make a mess. They make a real mess and leave stuff everywhere. And um, so what, what I tended to do is I was peering out the front door last time and I was like, no, this isn't going to happen this time. If anyone wants to have a look, I don't mind if they want something, but they must leave it in an orderly fashion exactly. and leave it, you know, sitting there in place if they're not going to have it. So, so I ended up opening the front door so many times to say, excuse me. It's okay if you want that, but if you don't, could you please put it back? <laughs> and they'd be like, oh, this is woman. You're the hard exactly. rubbish monitor of your street. Yeah. I am the monitor of the hard rubbish. Well, have um, people come along and ask if they can share our hard rubbish. Oh, okay. Um, well, yeah. they're, they're looking over and going, ooh, I could put that out and that out yeah. and that out. Uh, <laughs> At least they asked. Uh, yes, yes, as long as it's a nice, neat pile. Mm. Um, they uh, quite like that because it's in front of our house and not their house. Well, exactly. Well, our council, and I know a lot of other councils, you're not allowed to just throw everything out uh, willy-nilly. There's no longer a collection. You actually have to book um, yes, you your own book. private collection. You, you have to book a yeah. private collection. And, uh, I think because um, time's gone by when it was a certain day, don't they? For some reason, they would pick it in the middle of winter and stuff would be strewn all over the place and be sopping wet and things would be blowing into the road. And I think it was a, a, a bit of a nightmare, quite frankly, and, a, and a, an obstacle course on the road. So yeah, it's all very civilised, isn't it? There's the, the orange sticker <laughs> yes. that you put on and... Yes. Uh, it says, there are rules. Yes, there are and rules. Rules need to be followed. Exactly, <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> and don't forget, um, you know, I, I know that can be a bit of a hassle sometimes dragging stuff along to the op shop. But I, sometimes I see stuff on hard and I think to myself, who's yeah. throwing that out? Mm. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, and I know there are places okay. just around the corner from, from an op shop. I thought well, it wouldn't it would have been that difficult to take it around there. Anyway, whatever. I mm. agree. So, and but also we are going to talk about that C word. The big. Father Christmas word, um, because I've got something else to say. But it is a great idea sometimes to have mm. a hard rubbish collection just before you go to um, the to Christmas. You know, yes. so mm. have a good, have mm. a good clean out before. Yes. yes. So that can be quite fun. Now let's talk about Christmas. Okay, a if of we must, yeah. yes. can we talk jokes? Please, please. You know how we love our jokes. Have you got a Christmas? Yeah, we're going to up about that whole thing. <laughs> well, I decided. I thought, I'm going to jump right in. I'm going to go for the old Christmas jokes right now. Yes. And so I have a couple, if you would indulge me in allowing me. <laughs> oh, if we must, yes. <laughs> All right. Just then. our arms. Two quick ones. What's every parent's favourite song? Tell us. At mm. Christmas, right? Christmas joke, right? Tell Got us. It? What's everyone's favourite? What's favorite? every parent's favourite song? Enlighten us. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know? Silent uh, Night. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yes, the hint was in parent, wasn't it? Yes, the hint was in parent and silent. Yes, very good. Um, my second joke is: How is Christmas exactly like your job? Just keeps keeps giving in something. You open up and you take it away. I don't know. No, you want the answer? This is the same old thing year after year after. I don't know. No. The answer is you do all the work and some tubby guy in a suit gets all the credit. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> and that is the end of my job. There you go. Oh, well, thank you, Jacinda. Thank you, yeah. Well, thank I like that. Thank you very that. much. I worked very hard you on that. You did well. <laughs> you did well. Bob, do, yeah. do you have a joke? Or I do, but they're not Christmas related. Joke that's of the week. Okay. I know, I'm sorry to say in terms of what gets up our nose that 
the dreaded bug is uh, back again with a vengeance, apparently. I'm talking about uh, another C word which you don't like very much, COVID, yeah. and hasn't gone <laughs> away. Um, yeah. In fact, it ha- it's, re- it's rearing its ugly head again and maybe it's mutated, but I thought I might have some doctor jokes as, um, as a result. Mm. And doctor, doctor, I have a hoarse throat. And the doctor replies, the resemblance doesn't end there. That's H-O-A-R-S-E. Okay. Doctor, uh, doctor, uh, what is the best way to avoid biting insects? Don't bite any. <laughs> doctor, doctor, I feel like a tennis racket. You must be too highly strung. <laughs> doctor, doctor, I feel like a pair of socks. Well, I'll be darned. Oh. And doctor, doctor, I think I'm a DVD. I thought I'd seen you before and I think I'll leave it there. <laughs> oh, wow. There's a series. <laughs> oh, dear. You've trumped my Christmas jokes. That's well, I have one. to say, I have a little joke book doctor. here, which uh, comes in handy sometimes. Oh, it does. <laughs> yeah, it does indeed. All right, Nicole, you have to give it Just a, joke. a couple of little ones, um, not from the family. They've been a little bit lax. In fact, we did have a few, oh. but none that can be repeated on, no. on a radio <laughs> show. Yeah. So, you hear those um, off air. <laughs> I have to hear those off air. But um, because my son had a haircut, uh, uh, last week, I thought this one was appropriate because there's a few barber jokes around, um, and he's, you know, he's got the, you know, um, uh, it's all business at the top and a party at the back. Oh yes. And uh, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the uh, old mullet. Anyway, um, how did the barber win the race, which he kind of did in this instance because he didn't have to cut the back of his hair? Um, he knew a shortcut. Oh. Cool. Um, um, why are frogs so happy? Tell us. Oh. They eat, they eat whatever bugs them. Mm. Ah! <laughs> um, and what do you call a bull, a sleeping bull? A bulldozer. A bulldozer. There you go. Thank boom, you. boom. <laughs> they're, they're all I've got for, you, for today. They were good. You know, I'm calling them dad nice, jokes. <laughs> yeah, a nice tie in there. We might be get, get invited to the Melbourne International Comedy Festival because we're so good. With that line up, yes. yes. Well, yes. Yes, yes. yes. You know, or not. <laughs> yeah, or, or, or perhaps not this next year, but maybe another year. Yeah. Yeah. While we've got you there, just want to quickly interrupt, if I may. Um, yeah. and Nicole and I want to send big happy first birthday to your little grandson, Charlie, oh, for Thursday, the 6th yeah, of November. Charlie, oh, I know. Can you believe it? beautiful little bubba that he is is going to be one. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, on Thursday. I'm proud yes, Mama J, yes. hey? Yes. Yeah, Mama J, that's right. Um, so I won't be there to um, hug and kiss him and give him a beautiful birthday cake, but we'll do that at the weekend. Yes, of course. Very, very so nice. So thank you very much for that. Thank it's a pleasure. So Enjoy. <laughs> um, and just before I have to uh, love you and leave you, um, can we do uh, what gives up my nose and what makes us my day? Yes, mm-hmm. please do. Go ahead. Do you want me to start? Yes, oh, please yes. do. You've got to go. You've got to start. Right. This, one's a bit, this, this is a bit weird, but it's actually true. So mm-hmm. what gets up my nose is it's all about socks <laughs> for me. Right. This week. Yes. What about socks, you ask? I can tell you every time I put a pair or six of my socks mm-hmm. in the wash, I always end up losing one, two, or three of them. So I end up with odd socks. I don't know what happens. I bought some beautiful, like, you know, little anklet socks just to wear with my sneakers. I've got, I mean, six lovely neutral colours. Um, and what do you think I've got? I've got about four left of those six pairs. And I, I, I swear to God, they go into the wash. And then they go into the dryer. They don't come out. It's it one of life's great mysteries, I isn't think it? it yes. is one of life's great mysteries because I have that with school socks. <laughs> but I normally get mine back 
And I was wondering whether it's the washing machine gobbling it up. We don't have a dryer anymore, but I was thinking, you know, you're like hiding them away or tucking them away somewhere. I think the, the, the proof is in how many actually make it into the washing machine from the washing basket. Mm, and, and in my house, it might be how many actually get scooped up off the ground. And, Not by Hardy the and dog. And some still in the <laughs> pants as they come off. Oh, yes. You know, those kind of tucked away versions of that. Um, or, yes, is the dog taking a sock here and there? Mm. Um and I think also that some get very holy very quickly and I might throw a holy sock out, <laughs> yes. but not the pair, and then we're looking for the pair. Oh, so I might be at fault for some. That is annoying. It's mm. extremely annoying. Yeah. But it, 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 it is, is a phenomenon, so though. It is. It, it, it is the biggest mystery. Um, <laughs> let, we do cover life's point? biggest mysteries here, though, don't we? <laughs> Big and yes, small. that's right. We, we, we cover all the, the really big topics. <laughs> um, and that brings me to what makes my day. And it, with anyone brings me a gift, I'm always quite happy. But uh, as has happened for me recently, some very kind souls gifted me something that I love so much, I cannot tell you. Mm-hmm. I could never get enough of these, and it is the humble but delicious French vanilla slice, mm-hmm. other known as, otherwise known as the Snot Box. Snot You know, that just brings such joy to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I devour them uh, yes. with great gusto, and I love them. So are, these, are these special ones from the country, or are these locally made in they Melbourne? Are, no, they're, they're, and, and that's a good point, Barbara, because you do have to sometimes travel far and wide mm-hmm. to get the best one. So um, up in the Dandenong Ranges, there's a lot of lovely little um, bakeries around there. Morning, yes. Mornington and, and Sorrento. Uh, and Warrandyte and different places. Is and, the famous one at uh, Beechworth or somewhere else? Be- that- be- no, not the Beech, no. No, no, no. no. no I'd that say one. that's the same too. I haven't been to that one. Oh, okay. Um, Mornington does okay. and Sorrento does have and, yes, a good version. Yes, that, right. That's right. Um, Some award winners. So, and, and I can't remember the places up in the Gazanian, I don't know what they're called, but anyway, they're just Lovely little bakery. They are very so yummy. near uh, Birchip or somewhere near in, in the country as well, I think. Yeah, there's something beginning with B. I can't remember what it was. Anyway. Yeah. So that, that, that cheered you just in. And while you're on the subject, and I know you have to run, can I quickly yeah. just mention what makes what gets up my nose and, makes my, and what makes yeah, my day? Please. Just very quickly, you mentioned um, the, the, the problems with a certain um, telco. Um, yes. I was appalled, what got my nose, to find out that there are hackers and opportunists, sort of equivalent to the cyber, I guess like a cyber looter, people who are actually trying to uh, profit from uh, that outage and, and getting into people's accounts and um, setting up bogus accounts and saying, oh, yes, and if you give us your details, you know, we can uh, sort out your uh, your problems and, and it's, it's all a scam. And I'm thinking it just reminded me of people you know, after bushfires going through and, and picking stuff, stealing stuff that hadn't been burnt. Um, so that's pretty, that's pretty disturbing. Um, but what made my day uh, last Tuesday? You might remember there was a certain horse race. No yeah. reports of any injuries, deaths, or anything amongst jockeys or horses. Just and that's uh, just on the cup race, or was that uh, the I whole day? That, that's a good point. I think it was certainly the cup, the Melbourne Cup. Yes, it was a, I it was heard a, the cup was... Yeah, it was a fatality-free yes. Melbourne Cup. I'm not yes. sure about that. That's a good point, uh, Nicole. But anyway, but it's the third year in a row there have been no issues with the actual cup along the, along those lines. So that, I thought that was something that was uh, was positive anyway. Yeah. That, that, that is amazing, and that is very, very good to hear. Because um, that's horrible, and it happens so frequently. Yes, Thank right. you, Barbara. What about you, Nicole? Um, I would say that... Um, um, what gets up my nose is a little-known life stage phase called menopause <laughs> that can make you miss events <laughs> um, such as, you know, going to the theatre with friends. 
And when you're sitting oh. on the couch and wondering what you should be doing that night. In fact, didn't even wonder. <laughs> didn't even wonder until, until I looked at my phone the next day. Oh, yeah. um, completely lift my mind. So um, mm. that's annoying me. Well, I'm blaming that anyway. Or, or just being super, super busy and um, was, was relishing the, the time on the couch. Um, and what makes my day is when the brain's working optimally and things just come very quickly. Um, I, I love it when that all happens, um, usually when there's not too much on the mind to be thinking about. Mm. But there you go. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. So I believe there's there was a good play that you went it to. Was. We were sorry you couldn't <laughs> join us. Good. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry it. too. Yeah, <laughs> Real sorry. Excellent. But Melbourne Theatre Company, we do enjoy them. And um, they're that, at the end of the season, Absurd Person Singular finished up on Saturday night. But looking yep. forward to lots of uh, plays next year down there. Yeah, we are looking forward to them very much. And it's lovely, as we've always said, to be able to support uh, local community-based, you know, theatre exactly. as well. It's so okay. important, yeah. Lovely ladies. Yes, thanks oh so much. Um, and we'll see you next Monday. You'll be back in the hot seat. Monday. I cannot wait. And um, thanks for a brilliant show. And wish I was there, but we'll see you next week. Look forward to thanks thanks so that lovely. birthday party for Charlie. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes, that beautiful birthday party. It'll, I'll send you some photos. <laughs> Take care. Thanks so <laughs> much. Care. Care. Bye for now. Bye. Something I'm made for. What was I made for? Billie Eilish, a lovely tune there, I believe, from the Barbie soundtrack. Mm, so, like uh, that very much. A, a nice one there. And uh, coming up now, we have our um, second guest with us. We have the wonderful Cuppy Nambi, a friend of the show, um, and a um, family lawyer from Nambia Hogg Family Lawyers. And she's got a very interesting topic that she's um, going to talk to us about today. And this is, um, as, as we were saying off air, not the most joyous topic, but when um, you're in a relationship and um, or you're in a, a former spouse has died, what are the financial ramifications of that? And uh, Cuppy, welcome to the show. You can tell us all Thank about you. that. Hi, Cuppy. Thank you. Hi, hi, Barb. How are you? How are you? Just Barb and I in the studio today. We just had a little chat to Jacinta, who's um, uh, remote at the moment in Gippsland. So um, just the two of us today. So how have you been? Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah, great. Fascinating topic as always. Tell us a little bit about this topic and um, really what what can we expect financially? Okay. okay. So I thought, um, as you said, Nicole, it's not the most joyous topic, but... <laughs> Very important one, though. Right? Yes. Mm. <laughs> but sometimes things happen that we don't anticipate, um, and particularly where parties have separated and they haven't yet finalised their financial matters, death of one of the parties can have quite an impact. So I thought I'd talk to you about um, the situation where... Um, where your spouse, your former spouse or your partner has died, um, can you apply to the court for property settlement orders in the way that you would if they were still alive? Um, so the answer, unfortunately, is no. If, if one of the parties has died and you haven't yet issued proceedings, you then can't make an application to the court because the court only has jurisdiction to make financial orders if both parties um, to a marriage or a de facto relationship are alive at the time that the application was filed. So 
we tell people that it's really important to think about formalising your property settlement as soon as possible after you separate, um, but particularly where you think that there's some risk. I mean, obviously there's risk of all of us passing away at some point. Yes. Um, but, if, if, you know, for example, if your former partner is, um, is older in age or has some significant health issues mm. or, or perhaps lives a risky lifestyle, um, that it's a good idea to get some advice as soon as possible. Mm. So, because if you don't, if you haven't started your court proceedings, then the person who's left behind will only receive the assets that they have a legal interest in. So, for example, if they're lucky enough that most of the assets are in their name, um, they might end up keeping them. Yes. Um, obviously, not so great if most of the assets are, are held in the name of the person who dies yes. and they've decided to leave them to somebody else. Ah. Um, if they've left them to you in your will, good luck. Yes. Um, but if they haven't, then you're going to be having to deal with the state law. Um, and each state and territory has its own uh, its own act and its own rules um, which determine how somebody gets provision out of the estate of a person who's passed away. Yeah, wow. So it could be quite complicated um, depending on, yes, what's what's in the right name or the wrong name or they haven't left dual names, will. if mm. there's no wills. Yes, I can imagine that can be quite tricky as well. Yeah, and, you know, with most things in life, timing is really important. Yeah, absolutely, which um, you mentioned there, what if proceedings were started before <laughs> the sp- dis- uh, spouse or partner died? What would mm-hmm. happen in that situation? So if you've already issued your application or the other party has issued their application... Um, then and, and then one of the parties dies. The proceedings can then be continued by or against the personal representatives of the deceased person. So usually whoever is the executor of the estate of the party who has died, that person will step in and become the personal representative for, uh, for the person who's deceased and they'll then become substituted in those court proceedings. So there's a process for that to happen, but once that's happened, the court can then consider whether an order would have been made if the party hadn't died, and now that the party has died, is it still appropriate for the court to make an order? Okay. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like that might even be a little bit easier, um, given that you've got something in the process already. Definitely, once you've already got something in process, you're in the family, in the jurisdiction, in the family law jurisdiction, and so you can... You can proceed in the way that you would have um, had the person not died. And, of course, what that means then is that any orders that the court makes have to be just and equitable in the circumstances of that case um, as they would uh, in the same way that they would if both parties were alive. Um, importantly, the process is the same whether you're de facto parties or married parties mm-hmm. where your proceedings have already started. Yes. Except that de facto parties have to establish that better relationship existed. I think we've talked about that yes. Um, yes. on other shows. Yes. Um, and also that it had broken down before the family law proceedings were initiated. So okay. the separation had occurred. Yes. So, yes, the timelines are always important, aren't they? Documenting times and timelines. Yes. Yeah. Mixing, making uh, things a little bit easier or can expedite things knowing those those details. Yes, that's right. Yeah, okay. And so does death change the overall outcome of a family law proceeding? It can. So if one person dies, one of, one of the factors the court looks at when it's 
making a determination about whether a property settlement is just and equitable is whether there should be an adjustment to one of the parties for what we call their future needs. Okay. And again, I think we've talked about this process before where the court looks at what each party has contributed, but they also look to the future to see does one party have greater future needs than the other? Mm. And, and future needs can be things like um, care of children yes. or age or earning capacity. Yes. So obviously a deceased person has no future needs. No. And so an adjustment that they might have received had they been alive is no longer available ah. um, to their estate. Yes, yes. Um, on the other hand, it's likely that the court will make an adjustment for future needs in favour of the surviving party. Mm. Um, and so, for example, you could, you could think of a situation where, um, for example, the deceased party had been paying private school fees for the kids um, after the parties had separated. And now that that person has passed away, the surviving spouse can't, may not be able to afford to pay for mm. those private school fees. And so that might mean that they have a greater future need than they would have had if that party was still alive and paying school fees. Yes, yes. And so those so, adjustments can be considered at this point in time. Yes, that's right. And so it might mean your future needs have gone up because your spouse has passed away. So that the balance will end up being a bit different to what it might have been had both parties um, been around. Absolutely. A little bit... Um frightening if you're left a little bit short at the mm. end of that as well, I can imagine. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and so and uh, and so sometimes also there can be complications, for example, with superannuation where um, the, the outcome might have been an equal split of super between the parties, but where one party has died and they've made a, a, binding, nomin a binding death nomination in their fund. So say, for example, they've through their super fund, they've nominated the children to receive their super, yes. yeah. then, then that might go through, which means that instead of the other party um, receiving a split, that the super that belonged to the person who passed away, which might be the balance of their fund and any payment that might be made to them upon their death or for a terminal illness, might then go directly to the children instead of being part of the pool that can be divided between the parties. Yes, yes. And if that was for school fees, that's a good thing. Mm. But if it wasn't for school fees, I can imagine that'd be a trickier thing, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, the other thing is because um, if, if assets had been held in joint names, for example, and one party inherited, um, say, the, the former matrimonial home because their name was already on the title, then the court might look at that and say, well, we don't really need to make any orders. If that's the main asset and it's already passing to that person. Um, under the will or because of, because of survivorship, we might not need to actually make any orders. So it, it can have, the death can have an impact on what happens as a final outcome in, in your property settlement. And what about the complicating factor, Cuppy, if um, a partner has left and they have repartnered, but even but the divorce is not final from the, the previous partner, is that going to throw a spanner in the works too? Or? Yeah, then you're going to have a whole lot of other complications. <laughs> <laughs> um, because then at a state, you know, obviously a state law is not, it's not my specialty, but then yes. you might have competing claims mm. on the estate of that person. Right. Uh, really tricky. So complication, expense, delay, none of that any good. No. no. <laughs> and it makes it very costly as well. Yeah, so what about right. the ma maintenance side, Cuppy, for spousal maintenance? Well, so maintenance um, maintenance proceedings can't be continued against a, dead, a person who's died, mm. and an existing maintenance order stops when a party dies. Mm. So what that means is if there's an order for you to pay maintenance um, 
to somebody um, and the person receiving the maintenance dies, you can stop paying the maintenance. You don't have to pay yeah. their estate. Yes. Okay? Um, if, on the other hand, you're the person on the receiving end of the maintenance and the person who is paying mm. you passes away, then that's the end of that for you. Yes. So you won't be getting it. The estate won't pay the mm. maintenance. Yes. Benefits one not so good on the other side as well. Yeah, which is really another good reason for trying to sort out maintenance in a lump sum if we can, rather than having an ongoing uh, payment. Yes. Because um, if you've already had your lump sum, then that's done and dusted. But if yes. you're relying on a payment to keep going, yes. then that, that's going to be a problem. Okay, yeah. So that's uh, an ideal scenario just outside of all of this, is that if that's occurring, that is a, a, a good way to go about negotiating some of that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, whatever we can tie up with a neat bow at the earliest opportunity, is, it, it, it usually um, is going to benefit at least one of the parties. Yeah, absolutely, and the cost-effectiveness of it and not having to follow up people, I can imagine, on a regular basis, which I imagine can also occur with maintenance as well. Yeah, it, just, it, it can extend the fight and extend the aggravation, which yeah. you know is in nobody's interest. No. Mm. And what about when both parties pass away or die? When both parties die, the proceedings die as well. So mm. the court no longer has any jurisdiction and, and that's the end of the fight between the parties. Yeah, makes sense. I assume then that finances that are in play uh, go on to their beneficiaries in that instance. Yes, and then it will become, you know, it might then or become a, a fight between estates um, and, and between um, existing family members, mm. children, for example, but the, the family law proceedings between the couple are finished. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it's pretty final, isn't it? Um, yes. But yes, there, it's about those those loose ends and and doing that as well. Um, and you've also mentioned another question that um, can be asked as well is that um, if you have a party stop an application, or can you have a party stop an application for consent orders from continuing if one party dies as well? So that, yeah, that's an, an, it's an interesting position to be in. So sometimes. Um, when people are fortunate enough to reach agreement, they can file an application for consent orders and ask the court to make orders. By, uh, sorry, ask the court to make orders by agreement. So, if the parties have filed that application but the orders haven't yet been made, because it's a process that can take a bit of time for the court, um, for for one of the registrars of the court to review the orders, um, decide that they're just and equitable, and then make the orders. So, if one of the parties dies in the meantime. The surviving party can't withdraw their consent, so they can't say, "Oh, well, the other person's dead, so I'm going to change my mind." Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of course, what will happen then is that the beneficiaries of the deceased person won't get their settlement. Yes. So the surviving party isn't allowed to do that. Yes. However, um, once the deceased the deceased person's executor becomes a, a substituted party, so they remember we talked about how the personal representative steps into the the, um, the shoes of the deceased person, the parties might consider that they, they want to renegotiate their settlement because, because that person has died, as we were talking about before, that might change the way that the property settlement would be determined and so they might then decide that they will ask the court to, uh, to vary the settlement, to make, a different, to make different orders um, if the executor um, of the estate thinks that that might be a reasonable thing to do. Okay. 
So there is there is a bil- there is wiggle movement. Wiggle mm-hmm. m- room to wiggle is what I would need to say. Um, yeah. Room to to wiggle, but um, you know, generally speaking, if it's um, in the in the process and being agreed, then that will continue to process through. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yes, if it's still agreed, yes. executor. Yeah, um, and what about any third parties? Yeah, so it gets a little bit tricky there too because sometimes there'll be a third party joined to family law proceedings. So they're not just between husband and wife, but somebody else's rights might be affected by an issue in their case. So, for example, you, know, you can um, anticipate a situation where somebody else has an interest in a property in the asset pool. So, you know, mum or dad are on title or a sibling is on title with one of the parties. Mm. Um, or there's a business partner um, of one of the parties or a creditor of one of the parties. And so sometimes a third party is joined to proceedings and then if one of the parties dies, the court can only continue the proceedings um, if the other party is still alive. So one of the couple has to still be alive for the proceedings to continue. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's, you know, definitely um, a consideration, but as you said there, there needs to be someone involved from the original... Um, couple, I assume. Yes, that's right. And yeah. the proceedings have to have been issued already. Okay. And what about business structures? Again, can be a bit messy. So um, as long as one of the parties of the couple is, is alive, the court can deal with some of the issues to avoid further problems for, for the people who are left behind. So, for example, um, there was a case um, in, uh, in recent years where the main asset was a family farm um, the party separated and the wife left the property and husband stayed and ran the farm business. The husband then became very ill. So the proceedings had been issued and, and the, um, the settlement hadn't been reached. Husband became ill and had to go to hospital. So the wife went, moved back to the farm um, and she ran the farm while he was in hospital. And then when he died, the wife and the children remained living at the farm. The executors of the husband's estate were some friends of his and he left the estate to the children. So the court found that the wife was entitled to 40% of the asset pool and the husband to 60%. But in order for the wife to receive her entitlement, the farm was going to have to be sold. (sighs) So the court made orders to hold the children's interest in the farm, left to them by their dad, in trust by the wife, until the children were old enough to run the farm. Okay, yes. And so that, that was a creative solution yes. um, to avoid problems for those kids. So that yeah. way the kids could continue to live on the farm and that had always been their home. Yes. Mum ran the farm yes. until they were old enough to take over and inherit that share from yes. dad. Yeah. Yeah, so it sounds like it's it's about taking all of those things into a reasonable, you know, outcome for all involved. Um, yeah, and, right. and finding it in a, a reasonable context given... Um, some, you know, obviously extenuating circumstances when someone um, someone does pass away as well. So um, can be very, very complex. Yeah. <laughs> Especially uh, as you were saying there, with with property um, settlement, and those financial matters. So you know, you can see why advice would be so important there as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Cuppy, that's why you do what you do. <laughs> you can make those difficult situations um, a lot simpler for people. So you'd recommend anyone getting advice if that was uh, the case? Yes, 
Absolutely. Get, get advice as soon as possible, even if you don't need to act on it straight away. Have the advice and then you can make informed decisions. But in a situation like that, it might be necessary to issue an application urgently. So the longer you leave it, the, the, different, the more difficult it's going to become for you. Yeah, I can imagine that as well. Um, so, you know, getting in, getting the information and um, get an understanding before things become a little bit too late, which, you know, we, we hope doesn't happen to people but can happen to people as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's, that's life, isn't it? It's it unexpected. is. It is indeed. Wow. Well, that's a really informative topic. Again, I always feel like I'm in a, a little uh, seminar and I'm getting lots of really good information there, um, topics that I've never thought of, um, which you know all about. So if people would like to, to find out more, um, they can contact Cuppy Nambia at Nambia Hogg Family Lawyers. And uh, we speak with Cuppy every, just about every month, aren't we, on a different topic of family law. So always good to tune in. Thanks, Cuppy, for coming on board and um, speaking with us. We might um, speak with you again once more before it gets to the, the, the C word we've, we've been talking about today. Um, <laughs> not not the, the nasty C word, but the Christmas C word, um, which we're, we're trying to not to mention but it's it's sort of looming six weeks away so we might really catch you just before all of that happens as well okay thank you i'll look forward to it and thanks again for having me thank thanks you again. thanks take care bye for all now best, thank, thank you you too bye and that was cuppy nambia we'll just have a little hear from our sponsors before another tune um, and about 20 minutes to five o'clock on Big Life Conversation. You're with Nicole and Barbara up until six o'clock and then we'll have Your Planet Needs You getting set up in studio too. And that was Dami M who uh, sings the sound of silence there and what a beautiful voice. And if you were watching The Masked Singer uh, recently, you would have found that uh, Dami was was the um, winner of The Masked Singer and uh, she was um, one that escaped my knowledge as far as voice. I didn't. I th- thought it was Jessica Mowboy for some time but then um, I had a couple of listens to a couple of Dami Im's uh, songs and realised, no, that beautiful voice belongs to her. So mm. I've been listening to a little bit lately because of that. So quite nice, good, good promo for her as well. Uh, it is 15 minutes to 6 o'clock. You're on Big Life Conversation. It is 94.1 FM. And you're with Barbara and Nicole. Uh, Barbara, so we've got some entertainment news coming up as well, haven't we? We have, actually. And um, someone to mention that um, I was fortunate enough to get along the other night to uh, the opening night of uh, Miss Saigon um, at Her Majesty's Theatre. Now, this is a um, production that um, I saw, well, this this show I saw quite some years ago, um, and it has been um, mired in controversy, I think, in times gone by. It originally was um, performed in 1989 in London. Um, anyway, but it's, it's set um, in, they've changed the setting slightly uh, to the uh, the last days of um, the Vietnam War. And essentially it's a story, um, if you don't know, do you know much about the story, Nicole? I don't know. I have not. Oh, yes, I have seen Miss Saigon, actually. Yes. yes. A long um, while ago. Yeah. And uh, so it's, it's basically, it's, it's a retelling of the story of Madame Butterfly. Yes. And the, the, uh, again, American imperialism uh, comes up uh, wanting in, uh, in many areas. And uh, it's a story of um, basically how two countries um, can... Um, well, uh, the forces collide, um, military forces, but also uh, it's, it's a love story set um, uh, amidst the um, the shocking background of war. 
Um, and so it's, it's really the story of um, uh, a young GI, American GI, um, white male GI. Um, he falls in love with Kim, who's a young Vietnamese orphan, and she works as a bar girl and prostitute. And when the city falls, the lovers are separated, and Chris eventually uh, returns to America. Um, years later, um, their paths are destined to cross again. And if you don't know the story of Madame Butterfly, spoiler alert, I, you know, I, won't, <laughs> yes. I won't say too much about it. But anyway, of course, that's, a, that's another tragic tale, um, uh, and it's based on uh, Pacini's opera. And uh, this is a, a similarly very sad story, um, and um, again with some wonderful music in it. Um, it's really... It's pretty full-on and intense um, from the word go. I mean, Opera Australia is presenting it, but there's some great performances. I must say, not a lot, a lot of light and shade. It's really hits you between the eyes. It's quite a spectacle, um, it's, and it's quite—it's um, very powerful emotionally. I mean, you you really don't get, um, as I say, there are not many quiet moments. It's uh, it's really it's fairly full-on, but anyway, it's 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 very gripping, and it's I have to say the performances were really fantastic, um, including Sean Miley Moore who um, plays a transgender engineer who's got his eye to the main chance and wanted to get a visa to get to America and he's using um, all means within his power um, to get that visa. Nigel Huckle as Chris, um, another great voice um, and a, a sympathetic character um, and have to say that the night that uh, we, we saw um, the uh, opening night, um, the king was performed, I think, by... Um, uh, uh, Abigail um, Adriana, but that, that was also shared by Louisa uh, Villin. So that obviously that's quite a, it's quite an important role, and it's it's uh, obviously needs to be shared. And then Kerry Ann Greenland as in the role of Ellen and Nikafoa as John. Um, uh, anyway, and also Kimberly Hodgson as Gigi. They're all great performers, and it's all it's as I say, it's quite powerful. It's quite intense. It's obviously there, there's the odd moment of humour you might remember too, Nicole. But essentially, though, it's a fairly it's it's fairly confronting. And of course, Australia haven't been involved in that war. I mean, uh, it, it's not the most comfortable thing to be faced with because it would seem that uh, uh, we had no business being there, and neither did America, <laughs> like in so many wars. Um, yeah. So, and it's the civilians that uh, suffer, and we're seeing. Examples of that are going on in other parts of the world today as well. Um, but I have to say, it's very stirring it's, and it's very uplifting. And there had been controversial uh, controversy about this production, I think, in years gone by because of the casting. And there not, not, weren't a lot of um, people who were of um, Asian background in it. This is not the case here. Lot, lots of um, lots of uh, ethnic diversity and uh, right. yeah, great to see some um, Asian-American performers too. It's and, good and, to it, see. Yeah, and some wonderful, um, wonderful voices. And just the energy, I think, was... Uh, as it, it gets you in, um, yes. but you really, uh, it, unlike the opera, which of course it's based on, it, there's, there's, uh, it's not a lot of highs and lows and an emotional roller coaster. It's fairly intense and you know, full on from the word go. Um, but fair enough too. It, it's a, it's a, a, a powerful emotional story, um, and you know I think that. Uh, of course, written by people I think who are responsible for Les Misérables too. Oh, so, wow. yeah, um, it's uh, it's got a great pedigree, and um, yeah. So, where where was that playing? It's, again? At, it's at Her Majesty's Theatre, and it's Her running Majesty's. until yep, running until um, it's music by Claude Michel Schoenberg, um, and uh, lyrics by Richard Mopby Jr. and Alain Bubli. Um, and this is this production is directed by Lawrence Connor. It's been touring. Uh, it's already been in Sydney. It's on its way to Adelaide. So you only got to the third of December oh, to ah. see it. Now I suggest it so could shorter, be shorter, shorter, mm, fairly short season. Um, but 
I have to suggest, again, another possibility for a Christmas present. It is, yes. and, and well worth the while. And also, um, what would you give it, you know, out of I 10? I would give it What's about your... an 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. Mm. So that's fairly impressive. That's high praise from you. Yes, and I think that um, it's, um, it, you know, of course, a wonderful orchestral arrangements, and we've got a song actually we're going to play a little bit later. Um, but, yeah, fine ensemble cast too. And, yeah, look, it's, it's, a, it's a moving story on a lot of levels. I mean, not just a romantic story, but the, the fact that um, it was uh, a war that, um, you know, had many casualties. And, of course, for our own troops who uh, were sent off, some of them didn't want to go and some were conscripted. And when they came back, instead of being fated as war heroes like some other, other people in the previous wars that this country had taken part in, they were despised. So there's all that other baggage that comes with that, that whole yes. sad story. Yes, yeah. absolutely, as all our world wars are Indeed. we might actually uh hear from that that lovely tune now before we come back and hear a bit more yes this is a beautiful um uh duet uh sun and moon sung by um kim the vietnamese girl and uh her lover chris it was and a beautiful was, tune it was actually from potpourri actually they're a musical uh group who've um We've been around the traps for a while, but yeah, that was uh, that lovely version of that song, Sun and Moon. And uh, you did mention, Nicole, quickly before we wind up, uh, how this, what were the sets like? Well, they were very effective. Technically, it's quite stunning. There's a particular scene involving a helicopter. I won't give too much away, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a very, very polished production. And um, I think it's one that uh, you know, should, should get the crowds in. And uh, yeah, certainly it's well worth seeing. Um, also, I wanted to quickly mention, if I may, a production that's um, running for, that's that's running at Imagine still the third of December, so you can check out uh, bookings online. Um, a thing called Dogfight again, with a bit of an American theme, um, which is um, on at um, Chapel Off Chapel. It's just started, and again with the uh, the Vietnam War as a, as a backdrop. And this is being presented by um, the company Theatrical. It's been. Um, Described as a hauntingly beautiful music which takes audiences on a romantic and heartbreaking theatrical journey that stays with you long after the performance. And um, it's um, set in 1963. On the eve of the deployment to a small but growing conflict in Southeast Asia, three young Marines set out for one final boys' night of debauchery, parting and maybe a little trouble. Oh. So there you go. But that's a chapel off chapel running um, until the 26th of November. Nice one. Uh, lots of really great things on at the moment. You've yes. been to see a few things, haven't you? That's right. And if you're a um, Talking Heads fan, uh, Stop Making Sense, the documentary is back, being, having been remastered, showing a number of cinemas around town, a great documentary of a fantastic concert. I'm a big Talking Heads fan. I don't know about you, Nicole. I am. And I was just thinking, do we want Once in a Lifetime or do we want Road to Nowhere oh, to actually. take us out today? <laughs> once in a Lifetime is always <laughs> so bizarre. It's sort of, yes, I don't know. He really is he's so clever, David, but the way he captures that sort of... Um, <clears throat> Excuse me, modern Western sort of uh, angst, middle class angst, or does, whatever. Yeah, but whatever, whichever you like. Anyway, they, they're all there. Um, the, the hits in this, uh, except for one, which is uh, "And She Was," which they recorded after that concert in oh, 1984. Wow. So everything else, if you're if you're a, a fan, get along to uh, the Astor or the Cinema Nova. It's it's on and the Sun Cinema. I saw it at. So um, yeah, lots of fun. Lots of wonderful tunes and so much to have a look at. Uh, so we're going to uh, wrap up our show now. They've been a fairly full show with three wonderful guests. Indeed. Um, and uh, we've got um, Your Planet Needs You in Studio 2 ready to go. Um, before that, we'll have the news. But let's have a, a little snippet of Road to Nowhere before we do. And we'll Thanks, catch everyone. You. Thank you. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. And two mystery guests. Two mystery guests next week. And we should have the trio back. <laughs> Ciao.